Hello, friends and enemies. It's episode 207 of This Machine Kills. I'm Jathan, joined by Ed and producer Jeremy, as always. It's time to... We, we've been holding off on it for a little bit. Uh, you know, had some other stuff to get to, but it, I think it is definitely due time for us to get into a, a really uh, important, amazing, recent investigative article uh, from ProPublica on this company uh, called uh, RealPage. So, you know, ProPublica and particularly uh, the reporter Heather Vogel has been doing a lot of really excellent, I mean, like better than anybody else, to be honest, like uh, excellent reporting for a while now on this kind of co- uh, collision of private equity, rental home markets, and uh, prop tech or technology, um, you know, in that, in that market. And this, the latest piece that they've done, uh, is no exception. It's extremely good. We're going to dig into it. It's actually qu- quite fortuitous that we held off on it for a couple weeks uh, because there's been some some new developments, some some oh, beautiful beautiful developments that we love to see. You know, uh, uh, you know, some some lawsuits, folks. There's been some lawsuits against a tech company that uh, deserves. The, the hammer of blood more than more than most more than most technologies uh, and thanks I, I think thanks in part because of ProPublica's reporting there has been law you know the Senate uh, the Senate uh, the chair of the Senate committee uh, uh, looking at antitrust wants to you know, has sent a letter to the FTC asking them to investigate. This company uh, citing ProPublica's investigation. There's been other lawsuits filed, uh, you know, for uh, civil lawsuits, class action lawsuits filed against this company. Um, all developments we'll get into after we describe what the company actually is. But I just wanted to kind of forefront that that uh, sometimes it's sometimes it's good not to try to chase the headlines and get right in on a on some on a on a, a obviously important story but instead sit on it stew on it wait for uh new developments to emerge this this fits right into tmk's wheelhouse uh the company is called real page and their software is called yield star uh it's a texas-based company um, that helps the landlords set prices for apartments across the U.S. Because, folks, we we all know that landlords need a helping hand wherever they can find it. You know, it's tough out there for a landlord. H- housing market is really tight, um, and that has nothing to do with uh, the behaviors of the landlords or uh, the recommendations of this company. Those of are uh, exogenous, natural forces and conditions and you know if you think it's hard being a renter imagine trying to be a landlord in this Mm -hmm. market can i can i get um yeah can i get some snaps some claps uh can i I pour one out uh make an offering on the table to our landlords out there we hear you we see you you are recognized moment of silence for all the landlords who are not recognized every day I'm banging my pots and plans. These are the real <laughs> frontline workers, the landlords. That's right. The best I could do is just some heavy breathing. <laughs> All right. So this article, it's a real masterclass, I think, as well, like just at a meta level in terms of how to investigate these kinds of uh, these kinds of technologies, uh, these kinds of companies, the absolute ghoulish founders of them. Uh, and, and the effects they have on, on the market at large. I think a beautiful thing is, and, and anybody who spends any time academically or journalistically studying these companies knows that, uh, that especially when you're looking at a company that is like pretty niche, right? Like, you know, a software company that specializes in, um, price setting for, uh, for real estate, right? Like that's pretty niche. That's not like, you know, that's not Elon Musk taking over Twitter where everybody's paying attention to it. You know, like this is an industry like InsureTech in a lot of ways that kind of is massive 
has a lot of capital, has a lot of influence, but is also just largely overlooked by the public, which means it can operate with a, a lot of impunity, but also a lot of, uh, uh, of comfort. And that means that, you know, you go to their conferences, you check out their uh, industry rags, you look at their business to business, B to B communications, where they don't think people like us are paying attention where people like us are reading it, listening to it, taking note of it, where they just think they're talking amongst themselves. They say the realest shit. They say, they say some real shit that, I mean, it's, it's, it's real raw. Uh, it's real unbelievable. And it's oftentimes really dumb when it comes out <laughs> in the light of day later. Uh, so this article starts with, a gathering at a, a realist, a gathering of real estate technology executives, uh, at a conference hall in Nashville, uh, and, and where they, uh, a group of them were boasting about one of their company's signature products. I'm quoting now from Heather Vogel's ProPublica article. This signature product is a, quote, software that uses a mysterious algorithm to help landlords push the highest possible rents on tenants. Quote, never before have we seen these kinds of numbers, said Jay Parsons, a vice president of RealPage, as convention, as convention goers wandered by. Apartment rents had recently shot up by as much as 14.5%, He's uh, Jay Parsons said in a video touting the company's services. Turning to his colleague, Parsons asked, what role had the software played? Quote, I think it's driving it, quite honestly, answered Andrew Bowen, another RealPage executive. Quote, as a property manager, very few of us would be willing to actually raise rents double digits within a single month by doing it manually. Yet, the uh, Courtney Belas, Director of Revenue Management at JVM Realty, uh, referring to, uh, said, recent, uh, said in a, a testimonial video for RealPage's software, quote, The beauty of Yieldstar is that it pushes you to go places that you wouldn't have gone if you weren't using it. Now, where are those places? that uh, Yieldstar is pushing these real estate property managers, these directors of revenue management, which we'll hear from other directors of revenue management at other of these real estate management companies in this article. And by God, if your job is director of revenue management, you are uh, first on the chopping block. <laughs> <laughs> you are a devil. You are a devil and we will come for you. <laughs> you are the vanguard of capital's extraction of profits and thus you will be first in line. The vanguard of, uh, of, of, a, of a choppy boy. <laughs> As well, you David see, Jason, the, the beauty... The beauty of the program is that it goes places you wouldn't have gone if you weren't using it. Yeah, that's because we're, that's because people would be motivated by basic morality and decency, hopefully, to not use it and yeah. become a greedy little shit, a greedy little uh, parasite. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this this is also going to be a theme uh, of of this article is that by. Essentially what Yieldstar does, and we'll get into the nitty gritty later, but just to give us a little baseline right now, what Yieldstar does, you know, RealPage's uh, software, is it, it takes in all of this data, all this market data, private data, proprietary data, data from various databases, uh, data from the public market, data from what uh, competitors in this market are doing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It takes in all this data and it gives pricing recommendations and occupancy recommendations to the property management firms that are using it, right? So it's saying, you know, it's going to tell a property manager that rather than having uh, 98 or 99% of your properties occupied, at any one time, which tends to be the, the kind of baseline, right? You want what's called heads in beds. You know, if you're a property manager, if you're a landlord, you don't want occupy, you know, uh, 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 vacancies in your uh, properties. You want those assets not to sit idle, but to be occupied, right? But, uh, you know, RealPage or Yieldstar, you know, they're going to tell you, actually, 
not only should you raise your rents by uh, you know amounts that might make even you uh, a hard worn, tough as nails property manager might even make you blush at the idea of raising rents fifteen percent, twenty percent, thirty percent within a single month. You know, because you, uh, while you are a landlord and thus a subhuman parasite, you do still have some uh, remnants of a, of a conscience in there somewhere. And Yield Star is helping you purge yourself um, of those emotions, of that uh, empathy, uh, of those, those feelings of morality. Uh, and they're going to tell you, not only should you jack up your rents by double digits, you should also uh, have higher turnover, you know, so more people cycling in and out of your uh, uh, properties and lower occupancy. Aim for like 94%, not 99%, you know, so that way you've got some slack in the market. And then what happens, you know, as as we'll see through this article is that mysteriously uh, and magically this has caused uh, revenues to skyrocket uh, for uh, companies that use yield star um, you know as one of the nation's largest property management firms Graystar, they all fucking have the same name <laughs> it makes it so annoying uh, but as Graystar found that even in a, a one in a downturn its buildings using yield star quite out quote outperformed their markets by nearly five percent a significant premium above competitors uh, according to materials on real pages website um, and so Graystar uses RealPages software to price tens of thousands of apartments, right? So by outsourcing pricing to a third party, not keeping it in-house, it has effectively caused, you know, prices to skyrocket, occupancies to drop uh, in all in the markets where um, big property management firms that are using uh, real pages software are operating right you can see really stark and and, and significant differences um, from like you know uh, market to market city to city neighborhood to neighborhood where uh, you know the predominant owners and managers are large firms using yield stars software I think one of the things that has been really fascinating also going through this piece is the insistence that and just hits on one of the bugbears, the insistence that things are better if you let the market handle it because there's too much empathy and there's too much concern for other people that is resulting in resources being used inefficiently, right? Um, that the the real benefit of having yield star isn't just that you will get more money as a landlord but of course that's going to be the pitch rental markets suffer when people are being a little too empathetic because then housing isn't available at the rate that it should be for people who need it you're letting people stay in a place that they really can't afford um you're preventing people from moving into places because maybe they're they're getting the wrong signal from prices um the, you're not efficiently allocating rents or money and so on and so forth. And so maybe there's too many homes and not enough people or not enough people or not enough homes for too many people. But if you let the algorithm come in, it'll help organize and discipline people so that they're living within their means and so that the housing is more plentiful. And so that landlords are getting more money and this is all beneficial. But then what do you see when, what's that, what does it actually happen? What actually happens when you look through this? What you look through is you see that these companies that who adopt it are doing so like in ways to construct strategies for squeezing as much rent as possible. And sometimes those strategies include something like keeping a building empty when it would have cost them money. And previously, the short-term losses might have been too unbearable for them, but instead saying, hey, let's keep it empty for X amount of time because then people will move in at the higher rate once the the locals forget about the rent hike and once, you know, gentrifiers or, or tourists or migrants or vacationers, whatever, you know, displace them and will actually gain and will stabilize the market at the higher price that the algorithm has given us, right? So I think it's also it, one of the things I really, really, really deeply enjoy about this piece is how... Um, it would be very easy, of course, 
and correct. It would still be correct and a good piece if it just focused on um, how insidious the landlords were in this, but also by talking about how it, ch- how it actually does change the logic behind what they do and by documenting resistance to it, not just among tenants, but among other landlords, right? Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sing a landlord's praise, but I do think it's good and something to think about when you have some landlords being like, Oh no, like this is, this is the devil. I can't touch this. (laughs) This is too far for me. Um, when, when you step back and look at how yield star spins it, these are small incremental increases, but then you look at the scale of it and it's not just the increases, but again, recommendations about what to do with the housing supply and, and restructuring the thing that people do need to live, um, that it starts to become like a really insidious piece of technology as is all prop tech, right? In our episode on prop tech a few weeks or months ago, talking about how uh, treating real estate, but specifically housing as an asset, uh, allows people to to dissociate the necessity of it for people to survive into an asset that just needs to be upkept and surveilled and managed and that people who consume it or need to be disciplined or regulated privately with surveillance cameras, with harsh um, criminalization of lifestyles, with uh, profit maximization strategies instead of you know human beings who who live in those places and need them and sometimes should be given grant grace. I mean, you know, when I say sometimes, I'm speaking from the perspective of landlords before the introduction of some of this tech. Right, the, you, housing should be free, but uh, the landlords shifting from a strategy of saying it is better for me to to operate on this human, maybe the, uh, partially human logic, where I'm still going to charge them to, for a place to live, but maybe I won't put cameras, and maybe I won't surveil, and maybe I won't raise the rent every you know as as, as aggressively as possible, saying no, actually I should do it because this is not housing that they deserve or even need. Right, someone else will get it, and in fact they're getting in the way of the real needs, which is my profit and people who are willing to give me the profit. Yeah. And you know, this is bad when you do have, you know, it's not even like mom and pop landlords, right? Like, you know, some, uh, you know, some, some, some upper, upper class professional who has like, you know, one or two investment properties that they rent out who are like, Oh no, I couldn't use Yieldstar. You know, it's like smaller, smaller property management firms that are managing like, you know, double digits of properties that are like, we can't use this. Like this is, yeah. this is inhuman and immoral. Like even though they would get, they get a huge profit margins from it, especially at that scale. Mm. They'd get, I mean, at any scale you'd get the huge margins and the returns seem to be ridiculous here, but yeah, even it is, it is uh, notable that they're saying, no, I don't want to do it. Yeah. And, and it's also notable how fucking bloodthirsty the people behind, uh, real page and its technology are, uh, you know, and this, the, the, the ProPublica piece just has so many of these fucking like, you know, banger quotes. Um, like for example, I'll quote from the article now. The practice of lowering rent to fill a vacancy was a reflex for many in the apartment industry. Letting units sit empty could be costly and nerve-wracking for leasing agents. Such agents sometimes hesitated to push rents higher. Roper, who is the guy, we'll get into this guy because he's a real fucking character, but he's he's the creator of the of the of the technology of the software. Yeah, Roper said they were often peers of the people they were renting to. You know, Ed, the, the kind of people that you might have to see at the grocery store. Yeah. Or, <laughs> you might have to show your fucking rat face in front of them. Yeah, and so Roper said, "quote We said there's way too much empathy going on here. This is one of the reasons we wanted to get pricing off." site unimpeded by human worries yield stars prices increases uh, price increases sometimes led to more tenants leaving Camden's turnover rates and here Camden is a property trust so a, 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 a management company uh, in Houston I believe Camden's turnover re- rates increased about 15 percent uh, in 2006 after it implemented yield star 
Campo, the company's CEO, told a trade publication a few years later, but that wasn't a problem for the firm. Despite having to replace more renters, its revenue grew by 7.4%. The net effect of driving revenue and pushing people out was $10 million in income, Campo said in the interview. Quote, I think that shows keeping the heads in the beds above all else is not always the best strategy. Now I love this in a in a parenthetical here. Reminded of the of that quote, Campo told ProPublica, <laughs> "It quote sounds awful and doesn't reflect how he or Camden views renters today." <laughs> quote, we fundamentally believe our customers are the most important part of our business. We're not about pushing people out. In other words, being like, "I." Well, what about that $10 million in profit you made from pushing people out? Uh, you you going to donate that? You're going to give that to renters? You're going you gonna to put that in a fund for uh, rental assistance? Be like, no, nah, that ain't me. I'm going to keep them profits. But I'll let you know, I do feel bad about what I did and what I said. <laughs> yeah. God, I hope they did the interview in person. Can you imagine uh, <laughs> them sitting together? And then he puts on, the, puts on some glasses, looks at it, and he's like, well... <laughs> That sounds awful, but <laughs> I want to be clear here. I disavow these words I said four years ago. <laughs> they do not match my values as they are today. And um, see, Ed, this is the problem of having a, a putting a human face to this. Because if you have to like, if you have to look at another man in the eyes of human to human, face to face, and say. How do you hold yourself to account for the things that you have said and done? They'll 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 squirm. They'll say, "Damn, I, I, I don't know. I just don't understand how I could have done that." But if you leave it up to an algorithm, if you leave it up to an off-site company to set prices, they never have to look you in the eyes. They never have to see you at the grocery store or on the street uh, or whatever. Then you know they. They can add that you are no longer human to them. You are a source of profit. That's all. I think also, and, and this kind of opens up one of the other concerns here, right? So we have these concerns about they're just like promoting, you know, transformation of an accelerating transformation of real estate into an asset that can be logically and without like any sort of qualms, um, in, uh, subject to this like really strict logic this cold logic that you know you know fuck them kids like if you know if they die they die i need i need my i need 7.4 percent margins increase this year and i'm gonna get it and someone's gonna give it to me so there's that shift too which is a pretty insidious one but then also the realization as they point out that price coordination works that already of course with landlords and highly concentrated rental markets you see coordination in one degree or another but then the introduction of yield star and it's aggressive marketing to uh, to landlords to property trust to to you know massive asset uh, or to portfolios and managers of these portfolios has also introdu- introduces the logic of more people doing it because the more people that are doing it and coordinating the price hikes together the higher everyone else's increases right you know, as they write, one of the greatest threats to a landlord's profit, according to Roper and other executives, was other firms setting rents too low at nearby properties. Quote, if you have idiots undervaluing, it costs the whole system, Roper said. Right. Um, Roper is. I, I think it's funny he styles it as a technologist. Right. But he's also not, you know, as, as, as the piece lays out, he's not the only person who's thinking this. Right. The primary rival. Um, and developer of that rival, the, the primary rival is a uh, software called Lease Rent Options, or LRO, developed by David uh, Davidoff, Donald Davioff. And he said, okay, well, look, I don't want to make something that looks like collusion, right? So, quote, instead of relying on a digital warehouse that com- includes competitor data, Davidoff inc- uh, used a complex formula and public market data to steer LRO's ar- algorithm. The system relied on incremental price shifts to manage demand for apartments, said Davey Odd, um, MIT-educated former rocket engineer. Quote, this is not dissimilar to changing the trajectory of a rocket through inflection of a nozzle, he said, making small changes that can dramatically alter something's course over time. 
And so he was, you know, he was trying to make sure, okay, look, we're, we're designing this that'll modify itself over time, that it's not going to look like price collusion, that is not also going to be anti, that's uh, going to fly in the face of anti discrimination laws like the Fair Housing Act, that's, uh, that's going to prevent competitors from conspiring, right? I had all these conversations with attorneys to know what the boundaries are. I had all these people who thought about ethics and fair housing and price collusion, right? But Roper, um, interestingly enough, said, yeah, me too. I was, I, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking the same exact thing. Quote, I was highly sensitized to, you just don't do it, right? And yet what happened? Well, real page by LRO in 2017, right? The DLJ at the time let this shit fly. They scrutinized it for a few months, uh, but they let it fly. The reason that they scrutinized it is because you have to uh, DLJ antitrust guidelines as they are right now, uh, as they were at the time, require transactions above one hundred million dollars. So starting at one hundred one million dollars to be reviewed, um, and we'll do a preliminary review. But the review ends up not you know being toothless, and they usually let the mergers go through. Right. And but if they don't or if they think there's something a problem, they can flag it in the court. Uh, they gave Ella Rose and Real Pages merger a second look, but then let it proceed after a few months. Right. That was the only com- competition. And, and Roper himself said, quote, I was surprised the DOJ let that go through. Right. OK. So Real Page was doing one point five million units. LRO. Well, had about 1.5 million units. So you get 3 million units. And as the then CEO said at an investor conference that year, as they were doing the merger, quote, I don't think there's any concentration, enough concentration of buying or pricing power here, right, to warrant DOJ concerns. There was a third company that had a bunch of uh, market power, but that, quote, property managers own manual pricing processes or proprietary systems were RealPage's largest competitor, right? One way to think about all of this is that the DOJ was asleep at the fucking wheel and let um, a massive merger happen that for software where the core logic of the software was the more people who use it, the more incentive everyone has to use it as aggressively as possible because then the rent hikes um raise everyone's profit margins and if they're getting higher profit margins than people who are not on the software it's an easier sell to people who are not on the software to join the software and then do the rent hikes right so there's a so there's a supposed to be a core engine at work here and the merger ensured that that was going to happen and so after the merger right they're they're focusing on multifamily buildings Buildings with five or more units. This is about 19 million of the country's 45 million rental units. And a large share of these, a growing share of these, are owned by firms that are uh, basically Wall Street investment vehicles, right? And what would Wall Street do with an industry that is, or a firm that is offering software that collates data to improve the ability to collude on prices? They're going to back it. Of course, right? So they renamed their, their, their pricing software AI Revenue Management. And then, the, quote, by the end of 2020, the firm was reporting in a Securities and Exchange Commission that its clients used its service and products to manage 19.7 million rental units of all types, including single-family homes. The private equity firm Thoma Bravo bought the public company a few months later for $10.2 billion. Let's just remind our listeners here that so like 2017 merger happens, right? And they and they justify it by being like, we are just a small being. We we you know we only have 1.5 million units that we're pricing. Uh, LRO you know has a, another 1.5 million. So even with us combined, that's only three million units we're pricing of a potential mark of 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 an actual market of 19 million units. So there's no, we are small. We are a small being. Fast forward three years later, 
uh, you know, mergers gone through, uh, Wall Street's being like, this shit rocks, hell yeah, let's do it. They go from 3 million uh, units priced to 19.7 million units price of a total 45 million rental units in the country. That's almost half. But Ed, it's not quite half, which means Small bean. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> that's right. They're, you see, you're, technically, listen, they're, my, they're a minority. From zero? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they should be protected under, under, under anti-discriminatory laws. I mean, look, it's from, from zero to 49.9999, small bean. From 50 to 75, eh, um, um, ambitious entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, right. pillar of American society is above 75. I mean, that's the, you know, that's when you really are infrastructure. Um, and that's what, I mean, I think that's what real page is trying to be. They're just trying to help us all adopt, you know, that LLC mindset, get an LLC, uh, get over leverage you yourself along with some of your closest friends, uh, buy, um, apartment building, you know, uh, get yield star, kick out every single person in there, hike the wages, hike the, the wages, hike the rent by 30%, move in a bunch of people, kick them out, raise it by another 5%. Keep doing it. That's how you get ahead in this country. Exactly. Uh, that's I, why that dude's worth millions of dollars. That's because he understands that's how America works. <laughs> I mean, yes. And, and, and to understand how this uh, algorithm actually works, right? Let's get into the details. But I think to get into the details of how the software works, we need to go back to its origins and we need to go back to uh, the the beginning of Jeffrey Roper. Uh, so Yieldstar has its, uh, can find its origins in a different industry, another industry that was on the, uh, the vanguard of this kind of price setting software in the eighties, which was the air, which was airlines, right? So airlines were actually one of the first, if not the first major industry that really invested heavily in using this kind of price setting software, which as, you know, later, uh, uh, Department of Justice, uh, the, the Department of Justice later recognized and admitted that they, they probably should have stepped in because this price setting software, uh, in, uh, airlines, quote, head off price wars that would have lowered, lowered ticket prices. So in other words, they helped, uh, con- contribute to collusion, price collusion among the airlines. And so, Jeffrey Roper was kind of on the forefront of this himself as Alaska Airlines Director of Revenue Management. Yet another one of many revenue management directors or, or AIs that we've come across in this, in this article. Uh, and so as Alaska Airlines Director of Revenue Management, uh, Jeffrey Roper was 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 you know helping develop and push forward price setting software. Uh, this did <laughs> actually get him in a lot of trouble. Uh, you know the DOJ said um, that these uh, that this price setting software already apparent in the eighties uh, artificially inflated airfares. Uh, you know significantly uh, raising the cost for consumers. Uh, the government eventually re- uh, reached settlements or consent decrees for price fixing with eight airlines, including Jeffrey Roper's Alaska Airlines, um, all of which agreed to change how they use the technology. But because their settlements are consent decrees, that means nobody actually admits fault. There's no you know, criminal charges. However, at one point, this is a great detail. At one point, federal agents removed a computer and documents from Roper's office at the airline. He said he and other creators of the software weren't aware of the antitrust implications. Roper said, quote, we all got called up before the Department of Justice in the early 1980s because we were colluding. We had no idea. <laughs> so... This is great too, and highly suspicious activity. When Roper, uh, so Roper left the U.S. after that. Uh, <laughs> normal, normal. normal. <laughs> Listen, I just, 
And you, you left the U.S. and it sounds like he spent the entire 90s in Central and Eastern Europe. <laughs> also, right. a highly normal place and time to spend uh, in, uh, to, to, to just leave the U.S. Uh, and so after returning from the U.S. Uh, in the early 2000s uh, from the uh, Central and Eastern Europe in the 90s, so he was on sabbatical, Ed. He was not running from anything he was not doing anything (laughs) i I was not under federal investigation shirt is raising a lot of questions that are answered by my fucking shirt yeah uh and and and, you know and here we're also remember we're talking about he's going to post-soviet union collapse uh central and eastern europe (laughs) yeah i just i just wanted to i just wanted to spread the gospel of revenue management to them Oh shit! What if he was actually doing some Jeffrey Sachs shop doctor and shit in Central Eastern Europe? Because my stay man- tuned, listeners. Stay tuned in the Patreon. Maybe we'll maybe we'll dig something up. Because <laughs> my man did come back to the U.S. in the early two thousands. Upon and and upon coming back, discovered. Uh, Quote, the apartment rental industry was so far behind technologically that it resembled the emerging markets he just left. So he's, he's coming back to the U.S. and is being like, damn, rental markets in the U.S. look a whole lot like Central and Eastern European markets. That means they are ripe for technological disruption. You know, Roper said, quote, apartment managers were basically pricing their products on a paper napkin. You know, he says, quote, this was just a ripe business with lots of money and lots of opportunity for technological improvement. Um, And so that's when Roper gets to work. He gets hired as principal scientist in 2004 at RealPage to improve software. Uh, It had bought um, and, you know, he gets to work creating, you know, the yield star as it exists today as this behemoth of, uh, property pricing. Right. And so, you know, real page works now, uh, by, you know, in this way. So somewhere around 2016, according to ProPublica's reporting, um, and this is from, you know, according to one trade group that ProPublica looked at, the uh, industry's use of the pricing software began to achieve, quote, critical mass. So 2016 is when it really started popping off for RealPage. And as you talked about, Ed, it creates this kind of vicious for us, but virtuous for them cycle, where the more property managers that sign on to RealPage services means the more data flow uh, into the company's repository, but also the more diverse data. You're getting data from competitors in the same market, um, and that in turn aids pricing services, uh, which means they're also able to then leverage uh, even larger databases. Um, and so it just like this, it's this vicious cycle of growth here as more people, you know, these network effects that we know of platforms. That's what we see happening here with the kind of data fusion that's powering real pages, uh, algorithm or, uh, you know, yield star. And so. You know, RealPage's clients increasingly get to become some of the largest property managers in the country, right? Or rather, uh, I don't want to say that RealPage caused them to become the largest. What I mean is that the, some of the largest property managers started using RealPage, uh, RealPage's software. Um, and so, you know, ProPublica looked, for example, at five uh, at, uh, at five of the country's top 10 property managers. So they looked at like the top five property managers as of 2020 and all five use real page pricing software in at least some of their buildings. And together they control thousands of apartments in major metro areas like Denver, Nashville, Atlanta, and Seattle, where rents for typical two bedroom apartments rose 30% or more between the years 2014 and 2019. Um, and you've got some of these major management companies like Graystar or FPI Management that each control on their own hundreds of buildings in these uh, metro areas, right? And, and, and you've got other smaller ones uh, that own dozens of buildings in these high growth. And they all use YieldStar, RealPages software. Uh, and so... 
you know, real page works, their software, their algorithm works by calculating how demand for apartment responds to changes in price. So what's known as price elasticity, right? So quoting from ProPublica here, the algorithm takes into account characteristics of apartments, like the number of bedrooms. It also considers factors such as how many more of a complex's apartments are likely to become available in the near future. And property managers can adjust settings according to their priorities, such as how full they want their buildings to be, you know, occupancy versus vacancy rates. Uh, the software then also analyzes rent prices in the broader market. The data can provide insight into how competitors' buildings located near the client within, say, half a mile or a mile radius are being priced. And so one advantage of RealPage's uh, data warehouse uh, was that it had access to actual lease transactions, giving true, not estimated, rents paid instead of simply those a landlord advertised, right? And so here... Like this, you know, the, the real power of RealPage is its size and is the number of clients and it has in different markets, you know, which means more data that it can bring together into one database, um, powering what is definitely, definitely not a, uh, collusion engine for the real, real estate sector. Absolutely not, Ed. Is this an engine for collusion or anti-competitive pricing? Um, absolutely not. Is there a forum of uh, property managers uh, you know, uh, uh, that all use Yieldstar where they share tips and tricks? Uh, you know, it's definitely not called the real page user group where hundreds of apartment managers encourage rivals to work together, uh, where they have created subcommittees, dozens of subcommittees, uh, including two focused on revenue management. And they definitely do not meet at invite only sessions at real pages annual conference called real world. And they definitely, definitely don't participate in conference calls with each other every quarter because all of these things, if true, would raise uh, a lot of antitrust red flags. Um, and fortunately, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing now uh, <laughs> that, that is exactly what's happening. That the, the, the use of forum exists, the conference exists, the invite-only subcommittee meetings exist, the quarterly conference calls exist all between apartment managers who are supposed to be rivals in real estate markets. Mm. Hmm. I just think our economy would look different if we had a wet work team for the FTC. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I, I need, I need the Delaware courts to release the text messages between the landlords. <laughs> I want the juicy bits. I want to, I want to see that. I want to see them say, you know what? I'm not going to accept your, applications at my places because I can charge 10 people a week, $150 a pop for an application and not give them the two open availabilities or apartments that we have and make an extra $6,000 a month. You know, I think you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's just like the text would definitely be damning. Everything would be damning. I also think like this section kind of highlighted a very funny uh, rhetorical uh, exercise that I kind of never really thought about, but it's just like so simple, which, you know, that uh, Maureen K. Olhausen, who is the acting chair of the FTC, offered in a 2017 talk. She said that we should substitute, uh, substitute a guy named Bob everywhere an algorithm appears. I love and, it. And that's such a good quote. Is it okay for a guy named Bob to collect confidential price strategy information from all the participants in a market and then tell everybody how they should price? If it isn't okay for a guy named Bob to do it, then it probably isn't okay for an algorithm to do it either. And it's just like, it's, I wish she commented on this because it's such like a very simple 
and immediately to the heart of the matter issue. And one of the things that we harp on all the time, which is that people think that digital technologies are something different and think that they are just like transcendental history and material realities and geopolitics and economics. When and all you have to literally do is take the word away and then you realize what the fuck is going on. If you get rid of the word algorithm, then suddenly it becomes so obviously an antitrust violation. But when you have the word algorithm and then people get pissy and they have all these arguments about how you're interfering with innovation and disruption and the advancement of the digital economy. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. If you just get rid of the word and you get rid of all the esoteric, hermetic, religious, like zealotry around the idea that technology is something different. Uh, then what you're left with is understanding that this is just like a tool. This is a bludgeon and a bullshit PR term that these people are offering for something very real, which is we're taking data in the real world, we're collating it, and we're, tr we're treating it, and we're, uh, we're reacting to it in a very specific way with processes that are still... The algorithm is just a simplification. It's a flattening of everything that's happening. They're going in and they're taking data and they're price hiking. And they would do that without an algorithm. And now they're doing it with an algorithm. And the only difference is a digital service is doing it. There's no fundamental change in anything else. It's still market distortion. It's still a anti-competitive. It's still ex exploitative. It's still profit hike or uh, profit margin expansion because of a rent, uh, rent hike, right? Like what is different here? It's just a guy named Bob. In this case, it's a guy named Yieldstar. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just such a brilliant in its simplicity and effectiveness uh, tactic here. Like, we, we got to start doing this on TMK, right? Every time we hear <laughs> yeah. about some company that's doing some bullshit with its, you know, its algorithm or its blockchain or its this or that, just substitute guy named Bob. Does shit make sense? Is it mystical? Is it magical? Uh, like... You know, it, 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 like I, I keep laughing about like venture capitalists giving a company millions of dollars, regulators just giving them a pass, all because they, you know, some startup claims they got a mysterious guy named Bob, who is supposedly the most innovative and powerful guy named Bob to ever exist. And no, you cannot see or talk to Bob. <laughs> and then, and then venture capitalists are like, by God. Give this man millions of dollars, and regulators <laughs> are like, "By God, this is innovation!" The over, ignore, ignore any of their uh, regulatory trespasses. Why? Because they got a guy named Bob, <laughs> <laughs> and God damn it, he's good at what he does. He's special at what he does. Nobody I don't even know has... what he does or how he does <laughs> yeah. it, but all I know he does is it inside of a black box, and no one is allowed to look inside of it because it's a trade secret. <laughs> But That's God right. damn it, don't, he does it so fucking well. Don't you ever talk to me or my, game, my guy named Bob ever again. What are some actual like real world imp you know, we've seen the insanity in terms of like the concentration of the market for pricing, uh, rent, you know, for rental pricings, um, that Yieldstar ha has now achieved, right? Like we've seen how they, uh, are able to dr drastically raise, you know, margins, uh, for property management companies. But so what are but what are some of the broader let's wrap up the episode by you know really hitting on some of the broader like social economic implications of a guy named Bob of the shit that Yieldstar is doing. Well, I mean obviously I mean I think in obvious like obviously, you know, higher rents, right? Like, you know, companies using Yieldstar, I mean, you know, ProPublica has a number of people they've talked to uh, and a number of examples and case studies of you know, rents going up double digits, you know, in the course of like a month. You know, they, they talked to one person who their rent jumped from $1,200 a month to $1,600 a month in one month. That's a 30% increase. That's insane. That's $400 increase in one month. Uh, you know, 
because yield star is like, yo, you're, you're undervaluing your property. You can get a lot more. And so what happens when they systematically raise rents across, uh, markets, you know, metro markets in the U.S.? Obviously, what that's going to mean is, you know, you're going to have a lot more, you know, renters who are, uh, rent burdened, you know, a lot, a lot more of their income is going towards rent. And this is, this is happening systematically across the board, but essentially any profession except the, um, the richest among us who are property owners and are the parasites themselves, uh, that, you know, you see rates of rent burden, uh, increasing drastically in the last, you know, uh, like, uh, three, four, five years. In the sense of, you know, rent burden is, you know, just very simply that a, a large percentage of your income, you know, 30% or more of your income is going towards rent. If that's the case, then you are classified as rent burdened. And, and you know, that rate has obviously been increasing hugely because you start seeing these pro- these big property management companies, you know, Seattle is a case study that they use where they're looking at, you know, 70% of uh, of a uh, of rental units in Seattle are owned by ten companies, all of which use Yieldstar, uh, and th- and so what happens when uh, you have that kind of concentration and that kind of uniform systematic increase in rent? It means that either people become rent burdened or they get driven out. Right? You see that happening a lot too, where people are just driven out of the market, um, and at the same time. You see what's happened. Another thing that's called down renting, where people who could otherwise afford to pay rent at, uh, you know, uh, more premium units or, or not even premium in the sense that they're good, just in the sense that they might have like two or three bedrooms, you know, family units, right? You see people making, you know, middle class, upper middle class professional wages who would otherwise be able to afford the, you know, uh, the, the uh, kind of, you know, uh, commiserate markets down renting or renting out apartments, um, that are, uh, that would otherwise be meant for or be available for people making lower wages, which of course is then driving the lower end of the market out of the rental market, out of entire, uh, cities altogether, because, you know, somebody, you know, th- this, this one bedroom apartment that you and your partner could maybe afford on a blue collar salary between the two of you. Um, you know, now you've got somebody who is, uh, a a a, a, a doctor, or like a middle manager, even at some corporation at Amazon, for example, you know, making six figures who is, uh, down renting into that one bedroom apartment, saving on their money, paying less money on rent. They felt rent burdened in their previous place. So they down rented, they downsized. What happens to that blue collar, uh, you know, wage, wage maker? Well, they get driven out of the market completely, right? So this is a huge, uh, systemic effect that we see in addition to obviously driving vacancy. I mean, this is a core factor of Yieldstar is telling property management companies don't have 99% of your units occupied. Drop that down to like 94%. That way you've got some flexibility in the market. You can, uh, you know, cause artificial scarcity in the market to raise rents and over, and you'll make more money overall by having some of that slack that you can take advantage of. But what does that mean in real effects? That means that, you know, yes, there's a housing crisis in the U.S., but it's not contrary to our Yimby friends. It's not a housing crisis of there's not, a, they're not building enough units. It's a housing crisis of there actually is enough housing to house everybody in the U S but it's a lot of it sits vacant in large, in part because of shit like yield star in part because of, you know, it's portfolio management by these private equity firms, right? Like, you know, so there's a lot of vacant shit out there, which is contributing to 
housing crisis, in addition to the rising rents, right? Like these are some of, I, I think, the, the real world on the ground systemic uh, impacts of the kind of software that, that a company like Yieldstar uh, is pushing and has grown to dominate so much of the rental market. I mean, one thing I wor- wonder about is like, you know, what, what do you even do? What do you even do in response to something like this? I mean, there are a few things and we can talk about what some people are doing, but I'm also like, like seriously, in a, in a, in, a, in another note, right? You can act to, to crush this algorithm and you get rid of it and you ban it. But what do you do about the fact that like now rent prices have been permanently hiked and pushed out of a weird, um, <laughs> Jeremy said the slicey boys already. Yes. But like, what do you do about the fact that price, like rent hikes, have pushed prices at levels that they probably wouldn't have been otherwise. Do you bring that back down? I mean, of course, you know, like we, we know what we would do, but what does, what does the state as it is now do? What are the responses to like, okay, we recognize that this was an antitrust violation that we let run amok for a few years. And, but we also don't have the infrastructure apparatus or, regulatory authority or legal authority to roll back rental prices to before this algorithm was let loose or before a guy named Bob was setting prices. So do we just, do we just like live in a Bob, a a guy named Bob's world forever until, I mean, until, you know, we, we make housing free. I mean, there's a, I I do believe there's a little bit of deprogramming of the Bob that is required. Yeah. Bob needs to take a long walk through some of the parts in many cities that happen nowadays where there are people living in tents with tarps. Uh, but that humanizing part of this is never going to happen. That's why they're leaving it up to an algorithm and saying us humans are too empathetic. We care too much. All that reflects on landlords is, is that you're money hungry and you're heartless. You call yourself a housing provider, but yet you're the number one reason why there is houseless people. You can change that by opening your doors and not charging people exorbitant rent, not having expectations that you're going to have to pay three times what rent is when jobs don't even pay that in the town you live in. Yeah. Yeah. And then having the audacity to tell people at a city council meeting that as an apartment manager, you're a housing provider and you care about the people that live in your housing, but yet you can't wait until they move out so you can raise the rent for someone else to take it over. Yeah. In terms of like, what's the the actual response to some of this and you know i think it's a lot of it is too little too late um but you know i i uh said at the beginning of the episode that uh you know the fact that we waited a couple weeks to talk about this story means that we do we do actually get to see and 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 end on a some of the responses that are happening in part spurred by the ProPublica investigation. You know, a, a big one is, as I mentioned, that the a U.S. Senate committee has, you know, asked uh, the FTC, you know, sent a letter to the FTC asking them to investigate uh, ProPublica and these kinds of rent-setting softwares to see if they violate antitrust. I mean, I think the answer is obviously uh, yes, they they do, right? Uh, but I am also, you know, it, the the letter was you know signed by uh, uh, Sherrod Brown, who's the Ohio Democrat who chairs the Senate Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs. And in that letter, he specifically. Uh, mentions the reporting by ProPublica that we just went through, right? So, I mean, that's a huge uh, outcome on its own of this story. Invite the FTC to take a look at this. And, you know, the FTC does not comment on, you know, uh, on letters or, or, or investigations of this kind. And so, but I, I think that, you know, knowing what we know about this FTC, uh, it's chair of Lena Khan, like, uh, I got hope. I got hope that they actually, you know, investigate and and really bring the hammer down on uh, on real page and and yield star and all of this, right? Like, you know, this kind of price optimization is uh, abhorrent, and it's also not restricted to the real estate. I mean, this is a technique, a tactic that happens in insurance uh, as well. You know, it's called price optimization. It's based on charging people premiums for what they will pay, not based on their, the assessment of the, of their risk, but rather an assessment of their willingness to pay. 
Uh, and so we see this exact kind of price optimization, thanks to a guy named Bob, uh, happening across the fire sector amongst uh, you know other industries as well. And so I really hope this is a, a, a shot through the heart of real of real page and a shot across the bow of the uh, the larger industry. But we also see some lawsuits happening outside of government investigations uh, as you know, various uh, different lawsuits, class actions, and so on that, you know, we'll throw some links to some of these uh, in the episode description, but, you know, there is a, there's at least been two class action lawsuits that I've seen um, filed against RealPage uh, for pushing rent prices above competitive levels, uh, facilitating price fixing, and so on. Um, you know, one of these was filed in the U.S. District Court in San Diego. It's not only focused on real page, but also looking at uh, some of the nation's largest landlords. So, you know, Graystar, you know, Equity Residential, these like massive property management firms that are the clients of Yieldstar uh, and filing a lawsuit accusing these property managers in real estate of forming a cartel to artificially inflate the price of and artificially decrease the supply and output of multifamily residential real estate leases. Uh, and similar to that, there was a lawsuit, a class action lawsuit um, filed uh, just recently, uh, you know, just last week, uh, in Seattle's federal court. And this is uh, uh, focused on Yieldstar, on RealPage, uh, and also on, again, Graystar Real Estate Partners. So, you know, this massive uh, rental property owner and management company, uh, among other companies as well. So looking at, you know, the same kind of class uh, of, of property and, and but rather the, the class action here is, focusing on price fixing in student housing market. So looking at the ways in which RealStar software was used to artificially inflate prices in college towns like Seattle, but also Tucson, Salt Lake City, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and others. Uh, and so, you know, this company, you know, Yieldstar, RealPage, the property management companies that are its clients uh, are currently facing class action lawsuits as well as potential investigation uh, for uh, antitrust by the FTC. So, you know, this is this is good. This is all good news. And like I said, God willing, this is a shot through the heart of these companies uh, and a shot across the bow for the industry at, 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 at large. God willing, the slicey boys come out. That's really what we want here. That's what we're all we're all saying the same thing. Regulator, class action, class action lawsuit, class warfare. I mean, we all want the same thing, and I'm and we're gonna get it. I think, hopefully, that's right. And we won't even get into it because we're 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 up at time. It's time to wrap up this episode. But I will mention, and I will throw a link to it uh, in the episode description as well. That uh, motherboard, the vice motherboard, just had a great article come out by uh, Chloe Jiang um, called JP Morgan wants to make tenant data available to every landlord. So real page, all this shit ain't the same. You know, we've been talking about prop tech uh, and, and I've, this will, I just have a, I just ha had a PhD student start uh, uh, this week who is focusing on the political economy of prop tech. So I'll be advising uh, and overseeing her PhD project. And so I, that means I will also be, paying a lot more attention and hearing a lot more about this sector as my PhD student uh, does research into it for her dissertation. Um, but, you know, this sector is huge. It's growing. It's large. We've talked about it. And, you know, uh, RealPage, Yieldstar, they ain't the only ones in here, right? And so I'll just, you know, just very briefly mention that, you know, JP Morgan's new platform, it's called Story. Uh, and, the you know, they're selling it as a way to uh, make it convenient for tenants to pay their rent online. You know, you can no longer do you have to pay with a paper uh, checkbook. But apparently the only way that JP Morgan can conceive of allowing tenants to pay their rent online, such an innovative uh, uh, thing never before seen, is to create a platform that will... Uh, uh, collect massive amounts of data from tenants uh, for you know, collect, collate it into a massive database that JP Morgan owns and then and then they are able to sell that database as a service to landlords uh, 
which get in return recommendations for when to raise rents and by how much, uh, investment recommendations, uh, algorithmic tenant screening, score systems, uh, all a whole suite of things. Um, also, tenants can have the uh, the convenience of paying their rent online. So you know the the. There's a lot of fucking bullshit in the prop tech market and it only keeps getting worse and worse and more and more devilish as especially as these big financial institutions get uh get into the game. So I'll throw a link to that in the episode description. It's a good story worth reading uh and you know uh, yet another thing that we just got to keep keep an eye on and and hope to god uh, that we can contribute in some way, if if not der- contribute in some way to their downfall, at the very least, uh, bear witness to the uh, inevitable downfall of uh, of of this devilish technology. That's right. And if your landlord is using this, you know, see something, say something. And if you are Snip. a landlord using this, uh, give me a call. Meet me outside. Yeah, <laughs> hey, we just want to talk for Jason's research project. That's right. That's right. I'd love to do an interview with you. Uh, uh, an old, an old left and the right interview. <laughs> do you want to catch these hands? I said, do you want to fight me? Do you want to catch these hands? Oh man! All right. Well, on that note. Uh, you can find us as always at patreon.com slash this machine kills for additional premium episodes every single week. We just, um, we've got a really fantastic, uh, book club episode coming out this weekend. Uh, we're going to start doing more kind of double header episodes, you know, two part episodes where we do a bit deeper investigation into stuff where, you know, part one on the free part two on the Patreon. So look out for that. Find us there. Uh, and until next time later. Adios. Yeah.